0: Welcome, everyone, to the Immigrant's Journey podcast. Here, we create a space for understanding, learning, and engagement in Ireland's immigrant populations and beyond. I'm your host, Carmenetta, and today we have with us me. I'm gonna be doing a solo cast and I'm gonna be giving you guys something a little bit different. I'd like to look back briefly on some of the common themes of the last nine episodes and relate it to mental health and development and how mental health is perceived in many parts of the world. For example, Forbes.com had a really interesting article about attitudes towards mental health in the developing world, which I'm gonna be linking below. But first, I wanted to talk about one of the topics that came up which was the loss of contact and communication with grandparents due to language barriers. One of my guests had her grandma come to Ireland but found it really isolating because she didn't have English. Learning a new language when you're older is so much more difficult than when you're young, as everybody knows. But what a lot of parents don't know is that the children's brain can absolutely handle learning two languages at once. A concern that my parents had when we were growing up was that if we were exposed to two languages, we'd get really confused and struggle too much. So their logic was better to expose a child to one language, let them learn it well, than to bombard them with two languages and just have them be perpetually confused and overloaded with information that they can't really process. Well, as well-intentioned as that was, that thinking isn't exactly accurate. Yes, at first the child will take a bit longer to start speaking or if they come young to a new country where they'll have to learn a new language, they will struggle in the beginning. A widely asked question has been how best to facilitate reading success in these young bilinguals. Is it best to learn to read two languages simultaneously or first learn to read one language then followed by another? So multiple studies have been actually looking into this. And the Bilingual Research Journal shows that children with two languages have advantages to children who are monolingual, including better mastery of English if that's the dominant language of the culture over time. And so like that's the trick, it's the over time. A lot of parents get anxious when they see their child struggle, like mine did, and they figure, oh no, they're not gonna get it so they just pull back on one language but actually over time being bilingual helps you but the point is that they do adapt and as shown in multiple studies and i'll link some of them below in the show notes young developing human brains can take the load of two languages and thrive over time it's just being patient in the beginning that's the most difficult so that's one insight after reflecting on the previous podcasts that i had the second insight was on making friends so we were discussing that i think with several of the guests and we were saying that extroverts have no problem with this which obvious but when a person is more shy anxious or restricted either by environment or lack of money lack of knowledge of where to go what to do i'm going to give you some advice for people living here in ireland dublin in particular first you need to get online you need to know what's going on there's so many aids to learning a new language like google translate is absolutely amazing and it has instant language translator so i'll put a link to that in the show notes as well if anybody doesn't know that yet but actually a friend of mine he spent five weeks in brazil And he got on grand with no word of Portuguese. And the Portuguese people and the Brazilian people that he met had no word of English. But with Google Translate, he was able to have great crap, go out, socialize, meet people. So you have to put yourself out there. You have to be willing to use the tools that are available to connect with others. And I suppose that is more difficult for people who are naturally happier being on their own, but nobody's completely happy being totally on their own. So here are some really useful websites um, for people that are first coming to Ireland. One is internations.org. You can download their app, sign up, and be instantly connected to other expats, including expats from your own country. You can see where they are socializing, what events are going on, where you can meet up with these people. So there's loads of events, and they're free, so there's no excuse. Don't be hiding away. Come out of your shell and explore a new culture like your new place. Go for it. The other one is meetup.com. Um, So they also have an app and website where people literally just go on there to start groups and create events around their interests. So there's the Daily English Group, there's the Dublin Ladies Social Club, Photography, Music, Hiking, Entrepreneurship Groups, which I'm not sure if that would be interesting to anybody um, who's coming here for the first time, but for me it is. Anyway, uh, so... If you think of it, there's a group for it at meetups.com. The other one is Loving Dublin website, and it's from the Loving Dublin group. They are fantastic, and they have great suggestions on where to go and explore the country, and all of it is cultural and social offerings. It's really, really interesting, so you can get a lot of information in those places. Back to the other things. Many of the things that kept coming up again and again with the guests were a can do. Let's figure this out. Having an open heart and open mind about the place that we've moved to and we can do something here. So like real positive attitudes have helped my guests do really well in Ireland and sometimes and it's nice to say that all you need is an open mind and a good attitude but sometimes it's not as straightforward as that. Like I recall when my father his experience coming to America, right? So he left Brazil because he decided that Brazil was an awful country with no opportunities. But unfortunately, when he left Brazil, he did absolutely no forward thinking. He came into the country, he came to the United States with no legal status and brought his entire family with no legal status. So it's kind of like, but what do you think was going to happen? So he left a place because Of no opportunities and he came to a new place and placed himself in a position where having opportunities was going to be next to impossible because you didn't even have the legal right to be there so like if i were to ask him today so if i were to ask him today why did you do this like with your whole family and not think it through i'm nearly certain he'd glibly burst out because i'm a fucking moron that's just how my dad talks it's uh expletives free for all In truth, the apple didn't really fall far from the tree. I can talk some proper shite when the spirit moves me, but my father's dismissive comment, or what I imagine would have been, isn't just indicative of a bad attitude. It goes way deeper to insecurities, impulsivities, negativity, irresponsibility, and repeated antisocial behaviors that have injured his relationships and trapped him in a miserable, cloistered life. It's actually very sad, but let's talk about it. What exactly is antisocial personality disorder? So in someone with a personality disorder, their character traits are also relatively stable, just like a normal personality. But in this case, they're maladapted and often rigid, meaning even when their interaction and behavior towards others results in situations that they didn't want, They don't seem to have the ability to change. They're not flexible in that way. They tend to have fixed mindsets about a lot of things and they feel that life happens to them. So that's just some of the generic characteristics of personality disorders. Then it can get very specific. So in psychology, we categorize them by cluster A, cluster B, and cluster C personality disorders and antisocial personality disorders belongs to the cluster B, which is the moody and erratic disorders. So some of the traits are characterized by impulsivity, lack of empathy, forward thinking, delinquent behavior, problems getting along with others, interpersonal problems, problems with family work. So my father kind of ticks the box on pretty much every single one of those categories. So for you to be diagnosed, you have to go through a series of interviews. And if you score five, I believe five to nine on the characteristics for any given personality disorder consistently over six month period or more, then you are considered to have the disorder. So my dad definitely ticks all the boxes for antisocial and he has been behaving this way for, well, as long as I know him as a human being. So to be honest, I do believe that he has it. Now, that being said, he's never gone and gotten tested, so that's just my own personal opinion. So, personalities are considered disordered when their behavior is consistently dysfunctional and harmful over time. Like, we all have a bad day, a bad week, sometimes even a bad month, depending on what's going on, where we're not ourselves due to external stresses and we fail to cope, but most people are, in fact, pro-social. In nature and they are able to engage in reciprocal exchanges with others that benefit themselves as well as benefit the other person. People with pathological personality patterns, however, do not for any length of time. They're not able to engage in that give-and-take and connect in the way that people with normally developed personalities can. Even when it harms them, they can't control the dysfunctional behavior. That's why it's considered pathological. People get uncomfortable with this because the immediate thought for many is, well, what are you saying? Have we no free will? This sounds like excusing bad behavior to a lot of people and they just don't want to hear it. But no, I'm not suggesting that we don't have free will. I am suggesting, however, that we are not all equally free. Even the most free among us has parameters that we have to work within. That said, I've recently heard a brilliant observation by a guest in one of my friend's podcast, uh, John Richard. Her guest said that it's not our fault that we are damaged, but it's absolutely our responsibility to figure out how to make ourselves better. I really agree with that because it's what makes us human, the ability to tap into our individual sovereignty as Jordan B. Peterson likes to say, and take small steps to be a friend to ourselves, to take responsibility for ourselves and treat yourself as if you are a friend worth caring about. That's another line from the 12 rules for life that I really liked. So that is not only a really positive outlook, it's also one that puts the control back into the individual's hand. But we don't take our capacity for autonomy as seriously as it deserves. So let me share one more detailed story about my road to third level education, which kind of makes the point more clearly. I've discussed my educational gaps in Michael Banks' Heroic Journeys podcast, but I'll share here in a little more detail. I was educated in American public schools from the age of 7 to 14. Then from 15 to 23, I didn't really have formal education. My dad pulled me out of school for fear of the corrupting worldly influence within high school. And I think what really pushed him over the edge was during my summer break, he caught me smoking weed with my best friend. So, I was to be homeschooled, allegedly, but it really didn't happen. So, fast forward to me at 23, I decided I was going to try to get into community college. So, I studied for the General Education Diploma, also known as the GED, a cert that uh, people who didn't finish high school get in order to get into some category of trade school, community college, etc. So, I studied for that for three months, booked the test, passed and a year later came to Ireland because community college was out of my budget and being illegal in the country also made it difficult to provide the documents that they wanted. My ex-husband and I had the opportunity to come to Ireland so we did and my first opportunity and attempt at getting into university came in 2007. It was through the Open University which is an online school in the UK and they have multitude of curriculums to choose from. At the time, I was working for solicitors as a filing clerk, and I really got into law, so I decided that that's what I was going to start. And it went great, actually, um, until the economic cra- crash of 2008, at which point I lost my job. My husband lost his job, couldn't afford the school, so... That was really the end of that. By 2009, like half the staff of the firm that I was working in was made redundant, including lot partners, admin staff, and of course me. It was intense. So after losing my job, I was no longer able to pay for my studies and had to abandon the program. So now I was jobless, aimless, no prospects, or ability for further education. And to top it all, my husband left the country to work elsewhere. So now I was alone, broke, with no aim, work or prospects, and like many people in such a situation, I got seriously depressed. And I turned to my old crutch, Boozy big Booze, to numb the pain. It was the next five years that I developed a heavy dependence on alcohol. There was one night when I downed an entire bottle of cheap white rum that I had gotten from Aldi. By the time 1 a.m. came around, I was like in tremors. My whole body went numb. I started to sweat profusely. Um, the temperature dropped and I started to feel freezing cold. I was sure that I poisoned myself, and I thought, I'm probably going to die here. <laughs> the funny thing is not for a second did it occur to me to try to ring an ambulance, I was happy to accept my fate. I was not treating myself as a friend, and I was not taking responsibility to, to correct the pain in my life. And this isn't about blaming, it's the logical thing you do. Like If you don't value you enough to help you help yourself by researching and reaching out, no one can do that for you but I was a bit oblivious to that at that time in my life. I woke up the next morning feeling absolutely shite. During that time, it never occurred to me to seek for help or to seek the help of a mental health professional for the depression. And the reason for this, I think, is mental health was never acknowledged in my upbringing. Like severe mental health was, but the concept of mental health and taking care of your mental health and seeing a professional if you're having mild difficulties, it just wasn't a thing. When I was working in a mental health center, a person rang up looking for an appointment but expressed concern that he did not want to take space from a person with real mental health concerns as his were only mild. He wasn't even sure he had any mental illnesses is what he said. I reassured him that that's exactly what we are here for, to assist you with mild to medium mental health concerns. Because when you collaborate with a mental health professional in the early stages of mental distress, you can actually prevent more serious problems from developing. So anyone who's like on the fence, I highly recommend seeing someone. From my personal experience, I'd recommend My Mind Mental Health Center. Like I, I went to them for months and months and I used their online services just because it was it was convenient for me and my schedule. But they do have physical centers if you prefer that in Dublin, Limerick and Cork. And you can find them at MyMind.org. They are affordable, professional, and provide online services. Like I said, I attended them. And they also have services in 15 different languages. So you can get further details on that at mymind.org. So I just want to say thank you, everyone, for listening today. This has been the solo cast. And remember to look after your mental health as well as your physical health because one is constantly affecting the other one. This has been a review and a solo episode. Join us next time as the interviews continue. And for further learning on personality disorders, I'm attaching a link in the show notes. And if you have any questions on any of the topics that we discussed today, feel free to drop me an email or a text at the Immigrant's Journey Facebook page. Until next time, ciao.